Today's episode is sponsored by Awesome Labs. For everything you need to build your own online store, do the smart thing. Visit beawesome.co.za. Awesome Labs, the web is chemistry. You're listening to Big Shot Business Podcast. The what, the why, and the how of building and running a successful business on the African continent. Here's your host, Linkford Biz. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Big Shot Business Podcast. I'm your host, Linkford Biz. I do hope you are doing well. I do hope you and yours are safe. Happy holidays, compliments of the season. It's been quite an interesting year. We've all had our experiences of it. And with a global pandemic going on, it's really been an interesting time, especially for businesses on the African continent. However, uh, today I have a bit of a different episode for you. It came mostly because I kept coming across one question. And that question was, who owns Africa? Now, it might be an interesting thing asking who owns Africa. Africa is a continent. Nobody, no single person can possibly own it unless perhaps they bought it as real estate. But anyways, it's practically impossible for a single person to own the continent. But this question is not about just legal ownership as owning property. It's it's a bit in-depth than that. And we're going to be diving deeper into that question today. You know, it reminds me of the time when I was still in my home country, Zimbabwe, when I was growing up. I would walk around town and see all these buildings. And it was never a question who owns the building or whose building is this. We always knew, okay, they, on that building, there is this government facility or this government office or that business office. Nobody really knew who owned anything or at least i didn't right there was this level of oblivion that i was living in not knowing who owned things that were around me and not knowing if they were even ownable that question didn't even cross my mind and that's the case with most things sometimes we need something megalithic to actually knock us into starting to ask the right questions about things around us about how things are going on what's really happening in our day-to-day lives i kind of feel like for for the past decade or so right we've been we're being tuned so to speak and i can feel this even in the resistance that i have towards uh, you know particular things that governments across the continent would be doing especially with the revelations of 2020 but I feel like it's been an oncoming thing for the past 10 or so years, right? Where we are being channeled to a particular direction as if we are not at the helms anymore. We're not the ones controlling where the continent goes, right? I looked at so many different examples of what it would have meant for us to say we are free. Now, I understand this is a business podcast, but one of the things I've noticed over the the past months, I've sort of become a student of the African continent. One of the things I've noticed is that the continent is interconnected. Almost everything connects to almost everything else on the continent. And that's a very interesting thing if we are to have free markets, because they can never actually be free markets if the politics that is controlling the market is not free, for example. If the education that is controlling the market is not free, right? Which brings me back to why the ownership of the continent is very important. Now, there are a couple of organizations over the years that have brought up the subject of ownership and 
in a legal sense saying governments on the continent should own things on the continent meaning that the governments become the stewards of the people's property so to speak right organizations like nepad have come up beautiful strategies that they were putting in place 10 years back i'm not so sure how far they've gone with that now but i'm i'm hoping we can get that information and once we have that information we can of course see if it has worked or it hasn't worked and if it hasn't worked what to do about it if it has worked what are the results that we can tangibly say these are the results that have been been achieved by such and such an organization or such and such a plan that we had a couple of years back this is what it has uh, come to now these are the fruits that it has produced and we can see how we can maximize that and you know further further develop the continent so in asking the question who owns africa and I really started digging deep into things like infrastructure, things like education, things like food security, things like governance itself, right? Because in most cases across the continent, when we start talking about infrastructure development, the next thing that comes up with that is the debt that governments are raking up trying to build infrastructure on the African continent right and how difficult it will become as we go into the future to repay those debts and we will find governments that are struggling right now to cope with the pandemic and at the same time pay up the loans that they had raked up over the years trying to develop their own countries right and you may ask the question actually you may ask the question is it that we are incapable of producing our own financial financial structures or financial systems that we have to depend on money from other countries or money from other donors for us to develop the continent i do believe that we have the capacity we have the intelligence we have the we have the experience and we have the right people and i will get back to this point about people because there's something very important i need to highlight there but we do have the resources and we do have the people last week i was talking to uh i believe it was an economist yes it was an economist i was talking to kwasi yeboa yes yes kwasi yeboa with the institute of uh, security studies and one of the things he was highlighting about why africa is where it is is political will commitment and political will he kept emphasizing those two things because they are the things that we require to build the continent they are the things that we require to develop the continent right now infrastructure is a very important thing because with infrastructure they there's so many markets that open up when infrastructure is in place for example if we if we if we talk about high speed railroads right if we talk about high speed railroads then we we are also by extension talking about um uh lo- the logistics industry and how goods move from one place to another and how fast that can happen right those are all infrastructure development projects which the continent should be looking at and before even getting to that we need an integration of the of the entire continent we need people to be able to trade cross border trading we need people to be able to do cross border trading far more efficiently and far more easier than it is right now which is where the, the 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 Africa free trade agreement would come into play and all of those things they work hand in hand with infrastructure development but then if we really look at infrastructure development that is going on on the continent right now 
if we look for example um the infrastructure development that was happening in uh, east africa i believe where china was building um a railroad and whilst it's a very good thing right it's a very good thing that there is there is a there is now a railroad on the on the continent that can make things move a bit faster for the fact that it was built with chinese money it is owned by chinese for the fact that the chinese have been buying up land to secure their own food security which gets me to the point of food security for the fact that the chinese have been doing that right it simply means that most of the resources that we think we own we no longer own and that's a very disturbing thing to me because ownership is key you know i i remember growing up there's a story my mom used to tell me now whether this story is true or not i'm not so sure but it had a very important lesson to me at that time i thought the lesson was on how colonialism happened but then a few weeks ago i realized that there was a bigger lesson in there than i had taken over the years now i'll retell the story as fast as i can but i want you to notice the importance of ownership in that story so my mom tells me this story where this guy visits a house let's say uh the house belongs to mrs a right and he says to mrs a uh mrs a look i just need a room to stay for a couple of months uh once my things are sorted i'll leave right mrs a says all right cool i've got a room um you can rent out the room it's all right Three months down the line, the guy says, you know what, Mrs. A, I've got a couple of things that are coming and the room is not going to be enough. And I noticed your sitting room is empty. Can I put my couches there and my TV there? And my, you know, Mrs. A says, oh, no, that's not a problem. You can go ahead and put your stuff there, right? And the guy says, all right, cool. He puts the stuff there. The place looks very nice. It's all shushed up. And he then says, Mrs. A, you know what, I'm... I was thinking of changing the paint of the house. It's getting a bit old and I'm thinking, you know, it would look much better with this paint. Mrs. A has no problem with their house being painted, right? It, it's good. The guy is doing a favor. Mrs. A says, okay, cool. Go ahead. Uh, you can paint my house, right? The guy goes ahead and, and paints the house and it looks very neat, very nice, right? After um, the six months is done, he's like, you know what, Mrs. A, I think I'm going to stay a bit longer. You know, what I was waiting for has not really worked out, but I'm going to stay a bit longer. Um, I don't mind paying you for it, so I'm going to stay. Mrs. A has no problem with that. It's income that she could otherwise have not received. But anyways, she agrees and the man stays, right? After a while, he's like, Mrs. A, I noticed that you've got old furniture in your in your bedroom. And I also noticed that the, the, the rooms for your children, the beds there, they're a bit old. Would you mind if I buy beds and, you know, better furniture for your bedroom, better furniture for your children? And, you know, place looks very neat. Mrs. A doesn't mind. I mean, like, seriously, wood of a buying furniture, right? So Mrs. A agrees and the man buys a furniture. Now, stay with me here because we're about to get to the very important part. After some time, the guy says, well, Mrs. A, I've noticed that your children have not been going to school for a while. Would you mind if I pay for school fees for your children so that they can go to school? Mrs. A says, wow, you're God sent. I don't mind you paying for my children's school fees. You can go ahead and pay for them. The man goes ahead and pays for the school fees. You know, and the children start going to school. It's a beautiful thing, right? Mrs. A, you know, 
I've noticed we do not have a drawer around the house. It's a bit unsafe. Now that we've got so many so many things in the house and, you know, we are climbing the social ladder, so to speak, I think we need to keep the house a bit safe. Build a wall around it. Mrs. A has no problem with the wall being built around their house, right? It's cool. It's very nice and keeps the property safe, right? So Mrs. A allows the men to build a wall around the house. And then one day, the man comes and says, uh, Mrs. A, I, uh, can I have the title deeds for the house? Well, obviously, Mrs. A is confused and asks, what would you want to do with the title deeds of the house? Right. And the man says, well, the house belongs to me now because nothing in here belongs to you. Your children go to school on my payment. The property that is inside the house from the dining room to your kitchen to your bedroom is all paid for by my dollars. And everything you eat here is paid for by me. The house was painted by me. The walls were built by me. Everything around the house here was paid by me. So give me the title deeds. I'll go get the names changed. And you pick up whatever belongs to you and leave. Now... If you've been following it carefully, you understand that it's a ridiculous thing, right? Mrs. A would definitely freak out and say, nope, you can never do such a thing, right? You can never you can never own the house. It's not yours. Just because you put property in it, it doesn't mean it belongs to you. It's not yours. Mrs. A would freak. She would, she would do as much as she can to make sure that um, she keeps the ownership of, the, of her house. But since nothing in it belongs to her technically it's not hers right which that's the lesson i believe my mother was trying to teach me that just because you own the house if the if the property inside the house does not belong to you you are dishonoring the idea of owning a house because Ownership has to be total. It cannot be partial, right? Ownership has to be total, which is what the continent needs to understand, what our governments need to understand. Now, I had said I was going to get back to the people part, and this is where it connects, because it is people. It is people. People who do not understand long term. It is those people that have put us in the fracas that we're in today. Why do I say that? Because if people would stop trying to feather their, car- uh, their careers by destroying the continent and winning in the meantime, if they would stop doing that, right, and start planning long term and start understanding that just because your term as a president lasts for five years, it doesn't mean the country that you are leading is going to last for five years. That country is going to be there way after you're gone. That country has been there way before you were even there, right? So do not try and feather your career at the expense of your nation. This is one thing that leaders in every sector, leaders in every level, leaders in business, leaders in politics, leaders in religious organizations, you need to understand this and you need to pass this message along. And I'm saying this, it's not just my opinion. 
It's not just my opinion. It's something that needs to be done right now. People need to understand that winning in the short term might make you lose in the long term, right? We're in a position right now where prior to, to, to I believe in the 1980s, if I'm not mistaken, 1980s, um, Africa had some of the most wealthiest countries. Now, of course, somebody may, someone may come up and say, hey, yeah, back then, some of these countries were still under colonial rule. Okay, relax a little bit. But the systems were working, right? Africa had countries that were more wealthier than most Asian countries. But take a look 20 or well, 40 years later right now, but 40 years later, Asian countries are more wealthier than most African countries. How did that happen? Where did we lose it? Where did we drop the ball, right? We dropped the ball when we started having people that are more concerned about their careers than the continent's future. And that's where the biggest problem is. People that are more concerned about what Standards and Poor is going to say. People that are more concerned about downgrades and upgrades and economic viability measures and business-worthy measures and all those things. People that are concerned with the numbers that actually don't count on the ground. Yeah, those organizations may be doing the, the statistics, helping us with the numbers, helping us to measure if we are on the mark when it comes to the goals that we are trying to reach. But those organizations are not what we are trying to achieve. We're not trying to be number one on standards and poor. Nope, we're not. We're trying to solve poverty. We're trying to solve hunger. We're trying to solve underdevelopment. We're trying to solve so many things on the continent. I believe the only thing that it actually needs is political will and commitment. That's all it needs. And once we have put political will and commitment to it, we'll come to understand that the continent is the wealthiest place in the entire world. That's why everybody is rushing here, right? You look at an uh, uh, um, organization like the, the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that have been promising for years and years and years that have been promising to bring um, a green revolution to Africa. But where is it? All they have done is to position um, agribusiness before the farmer, meaning agribusiness makes more profit whilst the farmer is left hungry. And that has to change, right? That has to change. So all these political leaders that are busy signing bilateral agreements with this and that and bilateral agreements with that and that one, stop. Think for a second. Just because you're in power now, it doesn't mean the country that you're leading is only in that microcosm of your term length. That country is still going to be there way after you're gone. So understand that whilst you are enjoying yourself as the leader of a nation or the leader of an organization or the leader of a religious group, whilst you're still there, understand this. The continent will still be there after you're gone. And the things that you do now, right, they affect the continent further than you leave, further than you will be in existence as a leader in that position. So understand that. Understand that. Because right now we have a great divide between the people in power, which is mostly adults, well, not particularly adults per se, but 
mostly people that are of the ages i believe just over 60 or from 50 to 60 is one of those right but whichever one it is right any of them that are in power right now the great divide is there the great divide exists between them and the youth and we are the generation that is to do that conversion trying to make sure that the message that those that have gone ahead of us are trying to pass is passed on correctly to those that are before, uh, behind us coming and with fresh energy with incredible enthusiasm we can't give them a broken world we cannot have you heard about big shark business network it's the place to be for african entrepreneurs business owners and professionals just like you join millions of fellow entrepreneurs today by visiting likeabigshot.com big shark business network connect share grow so we need to get to a point where we come together you know with all the ideas that we're trying to put together we we, we come together and make those ideas not just ideas for now and i'm not talking about bringing up another vision uh 2030 or another vision 2060 no um it's not a vision 2060 or a vision 2030 it's a vision life right we need to get to a point where the plans that we have can be carried on right the plans we have for the continent can be carried on the development that we want for the continent can be carried on right and that all can be achieved if we really take ownership of the continent as an important thing um <laughs> there was a very interesting um debate i believe it was in 2010 when uh, uh the ceo of nepad was he was outlining what um he believed could be uh the best way to develop the continent right and as he was outlining he he also mentioned the ownership of property on the continent being legally an ownership by the state right now there are a couple of things that would then happen if ownership is by the state like i said earlier the state becomes the steward of that property on behalf of the people that elected them right over the years people have i believe our leaders have played sort of the the amazon way of running business you know um running losses every year but running incredibly high uh um, um cash flows yeah so they go and make these deals with other nations that say okay we've got we've got a project that we can sponsor for you or we've got a project that we think will help your youth or will give you more jobs and your your, your states will rise like crazy people will be like you're the guy that brought us jobs right and they get lured i call this the bribery in 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 um in global politics they get lured into these um ideologies right and these deals and these plans that once the administration is done the country that came up with that deal still has a deal against the country 
it's not still a deal for the country it's a deal against the country because now the person that made that deal possible nobody can come back and start questioning the relevance of it which i believe i don't know if this is possible actually but i really think it should be we should have in most of our constitutions we should have the possibility for i believe not just repeal but a, a review of um, the laws that were passed in a particular uh, in a particular term or let's say after every every whenever the president changes or after every term right we go back and look at all the laws that were passed by that president during that time right and we ask the question how relevant is this today how um uh, valuable is it to the people that have uh, um trusted us with these positions how valuable is it to those people today and we also ask if we had the information we have today when we made this deal would we have made that deal if the answer is no then uh I believe that law has to be repealed or something right but then of course there are so many things that 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 going to law and how it's made but i really think we should have mechanisms that review because there are some of the deals that our nations have made which make no sense they do not promote entrepreneurship on the continent they they promote exporting and importing and all that right but then most of the people that are actually doing the work on the ground they're not the ones doing the exporting for example i'll give you an example um now farmers uh once they've finished with 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 uh with their harvesting they gather up their their crop and go sell it to a perhaps a farming board of some of some sort right that governs where the the the, the produce then goes after that and governs the market right now that board decides how much those farmers get paid for their produce i would also want to know how they come up with the with the prices that they come up with because i believe that's where conflict of interest is and you know me with conflict of interest i believe once we have understood what their main motive is and i'm not saying there's a conspiracy here i'm just saying that there are some of the things we need to review generally because how can somebody be a farmer for 30 years 30 years farming in and out farming in and out and at the end of 30 years they're still as broke as they were 30 years ago how how what sort of business keeps you that broke something has to change and i understand that there are there uh, uh initiatives like um AGRA if i'm not mistaken that's 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 the one the one that's coming up with all this green revolution story and hybrid seeds and all these things now no one no one has lived long enough to know the implications the medical implications of hybrid food on the human body nobody has lo- has lived long enough to know the implications of it right so whatever study we have right whatever study we have you might have studied rats for 3 years 3 years is not a lifetime so nobody would actually ever know the implications of 
uh, synthetic food or uh, uh, hybrid food on the human body, the uh, uh, medical implications of it, nobody would ever know. Now, while these initiative come, initiatives come to Africa under the guise of um, improving agriculture and improving uh, the type of yields farmers have, the people that actually benefit from them are mostly the people that are creating the hybrid seeds and the synthetic fertilizers. Those are the people that are mostly uh, benefiting from it. And these organizations that are running this uh, these type of initiatives, especially the, 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 the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, including the Rockefeller Foundation, which are all involved in the same thing, they have come up with ways that they thought would actually help Africa and made things worse. But of course, they're not Africans. They can pick up and leave. What about the farmers that are left? What are they going to do? And the governments that have put laws in place to support this import of hybrid seed, to support markets that only sell this hybrid seed and block local farmers from selling uh, uh, um, uh, their original seeds. What happens to those people when the Melindas and, and the Beals and, and the uh, Rockefeller Foundations have all left because their initiatives didn't work? Considering that there are billions that have been put into these foundations or into these initiatives, I find it very absurd that African governments, at the, at the, at the mention of productivity, would, would be as foolish as trying to think that we can solve poverty by producing, we can solve a hunger, actually, because the, that was the main goal. We can solve hunger by pro producing more food. It was never the more food that was a problem. Distribution was the problem. Prioritizing was the problem. The unfair distribution of power was the problem. Not shortage of food. There was never shortage of food. There was never shortage of food. It's only the distribution of it that was the issue. You see. And even if for the past 10 years, uh, um, um, Agra has been promising us um, multiplied harvests and 100% more yield, they have not achieved those numbers. And I would like, I would love them to, sh to show me those numbers. They've not achieved those numbers. And this is what, why it's bad for, for, for the continent, because one, we have agricultural entrepreneurs on the continent that are suffering because of it that cannot sell their own produce on a free market because of it. They cannot sell their own produce to their own fellow farmers at a free market. So at the end of the day, the farmer is angry, his family is angry, and knowing Africa as an interconnected and, 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 and community-based uh, 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 um, continent, right, we live community-wise. We, we we are not we are not uh, uh, we're not islands. You know, we're, we're not a, an exclusivist uh, so, uh, social setting. We we are we are people that are always including each other in things. Right. That's how. That's why people, most of these American organizations don't understand the continent. They they come and try to terraform the continent into what their home uh, uh, um, uh, setups are like. But then that's not how Africa is set up. 
Africa is very connected. We are very connected people. We are very culturally connected people, religiously connected people, and politically connected people, right? We still care what our neighbors think about us. We still care what, uh, what image and status we have in community. We still care about those things because we were brought up that way, right? We, we, we did not start as, as, as uh, uh, um, freedom land. We didn't start that way. We started with kings and uh, authorities that were governing, right? We started with all those things in place. And when we started modernizing, that aspect of it, we didn't lose it, right? We still have it. We still relate to each other from a, pers from a, from a perspective or from a point of respect, not a transactional point like what the uh, 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 former colonial masters would have us think. We're still very, very social and very cultural right in most cases so imagine these farmers that have always been trading with each other have always been talking to each other now they cannot because government decided to pass some law based on what the melinda gates or the the, the rockefeller foundation told them to do now if you if you really want to 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 to, to um to find out more about the story just just google a agra you, you or, or green revolution and put melinda gates or bill gates in it you 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 get the story and you get why i'm frustrated by it because our leaders are acting very foolishly which affects us as business people and this is this is where where the dynamic of africa is really interesting because we are that connected anything happens in politics it affects business, it affects religion, it affects social structures. We get to a point where I was telling, and, and this is very important because uh, we did not start it. We inherited the system. We did not create the system we inherited. And I've always said this, that the system that we inherited, we didn't inherit also the ability to manage it. We didn't, right? We just inherited the system. For example, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I'll get back to what I was going to say, but I'll give you an example. If fighting the liberation war was because we wanted to be treated equally, then we should have never changed the leadership. We should have only changed how the leadership was leading, which was at that point, they were not being inclusive. And since we went to fight for inclusivity all they were supposed to do is make it inclusive right and there was no need to change leadership right but no that was not the only thing we went to fight for we went to fight for our own emancipation but then what is the definition of emancipation in a different world in a world that we did not build in a world that we were forced into what is emancipation? Because if we're being emancipated from this world, we have to go to a particular world where we feel emancipated, right? But what did we do? We fought for emancipation and inherited the system that oppressed us. So how would we call ourselves free if we are still running the, uh, the, the slave mill? How are we? How are we calling ourselves free? And now this is this is this is important to 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 businesses because, for example, we have not uh, 
over over all the other, I think, since the first country got free. We have not created policy based on what we know, what we've experienced, and what we believe will put the uh, the continent on its best footing going forward. Because for starters, we do not know where we're going. And that's a big uh, jab, especially when it comes to politicians that tell us about, hey, building this, building that, and 20 years from now and 30 years from now, years that they know they probably won't be even be there. But we know, right, that we have not created anything of our own, right? And since we have not created anything of our own, all the systems that we've been uses, using are borrowed systems. We have a borrowed education system. I don't care what you think about it, Mr. Minister. It's a borrowed system. And I was reading uh, the other day about beautiful initiative, beautiful initiative that was started on the continent, private schools, right? And I thought to myself, this is the perfect opportunity that we have to adjust and correct the mistakes that are riddled, uh, that are riddling the, the, the education system that we have right now. This was a perfect opportunity to do that. But of course, the approach to it was capitalistic instead of developmental, right? No one was looking at how to develop the continent further. And why I say this is important for, for entrepreneurs is because are you really willing to build a legacy and then leave it to people that at this very moment, the best thing that they are studying and the thing that they are going to school every day for is to study ant biology. This is a stamen. This is a filler. Are those the people that you'd really want to leave your legacy to? Don't you think that generation is going to look at us and say, you failed us? Because you knew, you knew that the system was broken and you didn't do anything to fix it. Right? So I think as entrepreneurs, we need to start looking at Africa, not just from a business perspective, but holistically, because Africa is not just about business or about agriculture or about culture or about, no, 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 no. Africa is not about that. Africa is a holistic continent. We have everything all at once happening all at once, which is why you would find you might offend somebody culturally when you're trying to do a business transaction. And you're wondering, how did I get it wrong? You didn't know the culture. And that's why you missed it. Right. And that's why you find most businesses will uh, um, they will hire a consultant that knows about that particular country or knows about that particular uh, business industry in Africa. Right. And they hire that person to be the one that helps them navigate all the pitfalls and all the portholes that are on that road until they get the deal closed question is why are we not doing it amongst ourselves why is it taking so long so long to get uh, um, africa free trade agreement going why is it taking so long actually why is it taking so long for us to get rid of colonial boundaries why is it taking so long because the seed of division 
is still very much there and strong. I'll give you examples of those of that of that seed of division. Democracy has not worked across the entire world. Across the entire world. The Americans are only about just over 30 years old in it, and it still hasn't worked. Right? Why? Mostly because, if we bring it to the continent, mostly because, right, the majority on the continent have not understood how these systems work. And when they go vote, they're voting based on what they were told, not what they know. Based on what the politician says, not based on what they know. So at most, we're voting promises. And that's the bribery. Promise you, you vote for me. Promise you, you vote for me. Promise you, you vote. Imagine if you could do that in business. Promise your client to deliver, right? And the client pays you. And then you wait for five years. And then when it's next time, you go back to the client, you're like, you know what? I was really supposed to deliver. And there were some things that I was supposed to sort out as well, but pay me again, I'll deliver. We don't do that in business. Why do we do it in politics? You see, and this is the message we need to be sending home. Because not only as entrepreneurs do we get affected by who then ends up in power, we also get affected by what then happens in our neighborhoods because of the majority that voted for that person based on a promise. You see, so this is actually a call for all entrepreneurs. In 1971, the American business community decided to make a change. And I think it's high time the African business community decided to make a change. That was my rant for today. But, um, I really look forward to continuing on this topic and talking to so many other entrepreneurs about what it really means to own the continent. It was just a brush touch there, but um, I believe it's a conversation that we have started and a conversation that we sure should continue about. So I look forward to hearing from you as well about what you think um, the ownership of the continent really means from owning infrastructure, from owning the education system, the type of education we give to our children, from owning food security and its distribution as well, owning the means of production around us, owning how our minerals are used, owning how everything on the continent runs, owning who governs where and how they govern. And it's one of the reasons that the, the um, Organization for African Union was built to manage and standardize how governance is done. But of course, it, it only became a toothless bulldog. And there I'm copying somebody else's words. But it is a very clear path that we need to take. And it's very clear right now, especially right now. Um, 2020 was a very interesting and re uh, revealing year, which showed us where we're lacking as the continent, which showed us where we need to improve. And that's an opportunity for all entrepreneurs on the continent to jump in there, create solutions. Like the American Business Chamber of Commerce, I believe, in 1971, made a decision that they would take the power back it's time we made the same decision and take the power back. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Be sure to join millions of fellow entrepreneurs at Big Shot Business Network.
For this week's show notes, visit likeabigshot.com slash podcast. Until next week, this has been the Big Shot Business Podcast. Podcast.